Welcome to another episode of the AlbumReview.net podcast. I'm Greg Potters. We've reached episode number 60. It feels like yesterday that we released episode number one. For this one, number 60, I want to revisit punk music. Who is your favorite punk band? Where did punk originate from? Who were the first to claim they were playing punk? These questions can be mulled over time after time after time. One band that's surely punk, but interestingly blurred the lines between punk, new wave, and early 80s pop are The Pretenders. This is a review of The Pretenders' debut self-titled album from 1979-1980. Wait, wait, why did I just, why did I just say 1979-1980? Sit back and listen, you'll find out. ask yourself one question do i feel lucky well do you punk Not sure. Maybe what would eventually become 70s punk mixed into a blender with 80s new wave. The Pretenders are underrated. They were never on my radar. Well, okay, I knew about them. I knew they existed. But I never took the time to focus and listen to their albums. I just heard their radio hits growing up. The band Pretenders were formed in the UK in 1978. American musician Chrissy Hind left the US and started playing the music club circuits in London. It was there that she interacted with bands such as the Sex Pistols and others to eventually form what would be later called the Pretenders. Their original lineup consisted of Chrissy Hind on lead vocals and guitar, Pete Farnden on bass, James Honeyman Scott on guitar, and Martin Chambers on drums. Farndon and the Honeyman Scott both died of drug overdoses within one year of each other. Honeyman Scott in 1982, Farndon in 1983. After the shock and horror of losing two of her band members, Chrissy Hine decided she was not going to make a fuss to the public about their deaths and she'd just take the band and move on. Chrissy said in an interview, quote, most of the radio hits have been more poppy and simple. I love that she used the word poppy. I use that all the time. Chrissy went on to say, the pretenders are more of a rock band. I want us to be remembered for our roots, which is more cutting raw rock and roll, end quote. Notice how she doesn't use the word punk in there. I wonder why. Chrissy grew up in Akron, Ohio. As a teenager, she watched Northeast Ohio change before her very eyes as the rubber factories fell victim to the automobile factories. Sounds kind of funny today, right? But it was what was going on. 
The automobile industry was working to decrease public transportation, build highways, and increase the need for cars. They surely were successful. The downtown areas were collapsing and becoming a wasteland, and a lot of her music was written as a response to this cultural change in her hometown. Chrissy, on her preference of punk over prog rock and soft rock, said, quote, let's forget about the excellence and let's get out there and just go crazy a little bit. You really couldn't be in a punk band if you played very well. I think that's why it was perfect for me, end quote. So Chrissy moves to London from Ohio in 1973 at 22 years old. She desperately wanted out of the Midwest and out of the U.S. She wanted to be in the epicenter of all the music that she grew up listening to. While in London, Chrissy worked at a clothing store called Sex. It was during this time she met members of the Sex Pistols, coincidentally. She befriended Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones and bassist Sid Vicious. Chrissy had an opportunity to mingle with the band before they became a household name in punk history. And in fact, at one point, Chrissy was so eager to stay in London long term, she actually proposed to Pistols lead singer Johnny Rotten, then known only as John Lydon. When Lydon said no, bassist and certified crazy man, Sid Vicious agreed to marry her in exchange for just two pounds or two quid. According to Rolling Stone magazine, the two gathered the necessary papers to marry, and on the day they were planning to go to the registry office, it turned out to be closed. So the two planned to return the following day, but Sid had a prior summons to court for assault and battery. Therefore, they never ended up even going through with it. One day, Chrissy was talking with her friend, Lemmy Kilmister. Remember Lemmy? All honor to his name. She shared her frustration with Lemmy how her music career had not really been taking off. And Lemmy recommended to Chrissy she look out for a guy on the London scene, a drummer named Gas Wild. Lemmy felt that Gas and Chrissy would hit it off musically. And so Chrissy did eventually find Gas one day as she was walking through Hereford, which is a town outside London, approached him and then assisted and then insisted that they jam together. It was through Gas that she met the other musicians, Pete Farndon and James Honeyman Scott. And through Farndon and Honeyman Scott, Chrissy would eventually meet drummer Martin Chambers. Once Chambers agreed to join the band, the Pretenders were born. As the story goes, Pete was the first to be recruited by Hind. In an early 80s interview, Pete recalled his first rehearsal with Christy. She asked him to play a country western song and then a soul song. So you see, guys, back then, most music created by African Americans in the 1970s, they were categorized under the genre soul. So after these jams, they played the song The Phone Call, which would later be the second track on their debut album. Farndon was so impressed with Hines' writing, he was hooked. He said that is what drew him in. It was fast punk rock, loud and rude, but it has some of that Chrissy Hind soul mixed in with it. Baby, she needs to know that it's time I go 
The group's very first single was a Kinks cover called Stop Your Sobbing, which was released nearly a year before their first album. Kid would be the second single, again before the album was officially released. Stop Your Sobbing, a Kinks cover, is baked in the early 1960s happy-go-lucky swing sound, I think. The Pretenders version is more of a knock in the teeth. It's a a hard-hitting melody loaded with a deep bass in the background, giving the song more body. And, you know, Chrissy's singing is just impeccable in this. While the recording seems to sound like she's harmonizing with herself, Chrissy's singing on this track gives it more muscle, I think, than the Kinks version. It is time for you to stop all of The song Kid sounds like a track that you'd hear at an early 80s high school dance. It's got a romantic feel to it. Heinz's vocals are melodic and well sung, never really missing a key. Kid is a simply written song with a dirtier bridge that leads into another sweet, pleasant guitar solo. And each time I listen to it, I feel like I'm back at that sixth grade dance. I can I can remember the feeling of dancing with a girl only to be shattered when I would later look up and see her dancing with another guy. I would think to myself, why didn't I just go back up to her and ask her to dance again? I'm so stupid. I guess I was too busy stealing my buddy's hat. That was literally what we would do with those stupid dances. The track certainly has an 80s junior high or high school heartbreak theme to it, but overall, the writing is solid. The bass guitar leads the charge with the guitar being present but not overtaking the song. Just a sweet, simple track that brings back memories, even if you've never heard it before. Quiet. I know you know what I'm about. I won't deny it. 
Information on the album release date was all over the place. Many pieces I read noted December 1979 for the US release and January 1980 for the UK release. Other periodicals stated specifically January 19th, 1980. And interestingly, Spotify has it listed as January 11th, 1980. Hell, I even read January 4th, 1980. So let's just say this researcher here is gonna note the release time frame was between late 1979 and very early 1980. Regardless of the exact date, late 1979, early 1980 is an example of another unique time. There was a shift in popular music going on. Outside of heavy metal, punk from the 70s was getting a little softer, but it still kind of had that edge, like, uh, like bands like The Police. The Pretenders certainly have a sound to them, I think, representing this era. The music is fast, it's loud and edgy, with less complex chords, but Heinz' vocals offer a different feel. She's not an opera singer by any means, but her voice really led a charge for the 80s punk that mixed with what you might call new wave. I'm Greg Potters with albumreview.net. Are you looking to start your own podcast? I can save you a ton of time and money by helping you launch, publish, and grow your podcast. So this includes things like finding the equipment, the software, and tips and tricks that are gonna be right for you and your budget. Also, if you're looking for things like editors, designers, or you just want to find out what the best platform to use is, that's what I do. So you can find me at albumreview.net or message me directly at gpotters at albumreview.net. I'm, uh, I'm once again delighted to be reading up on researching and watching interviews of these bands that I review. Back in the day, as a 12-year-old, I was naive to the drug use and violence a lot of my music rock heroes were involved in as they were young rock stars. What comforts me is hearing the intelligent and articulate nature in which a lot of them carry themselves today. Well, some of them, at least. <laughs> they enjoy reminiscing, but admit they made some stupid decisions. Chrissy Hind is no exception to this. She is articulate, well-educated, reflective, deliberate, sober, and looking to put the old days behind her. So produced by Chris Thomas and Nick Lowe, the band's debut album kicks off with the song Precious. If you're expecting this to sound like 70s punk, you're on the right track, but you can hear something different in this song. Cross the street, cause you're precious. Moving through the Cleveland heat, how precious. You're taking that and all the kicks are so precious. You know how to shit and bricks, cause I ain't precious. Make me wanna. Make me wanna. Make me make it. Avenue was real. 
Hein wastes no time giving you a taste of what was to come in the 1980s. Pete Farndon's bass leads the charge. Each time Hind and Honeyman Scott strum their guitars, the foundation of the song is led by Farndon and Chambers' rhythm section. There is no hoopla or special effects on this album. It's raw, deliberate, and definitely not overproduced. But unlike many 70s punk songs, Hines' writing is really creative. Recorded in London from late 1978 into early 1979, the album is void of your standard three-chord songs. Many of the tracks on this debut include time changes, directional changes, and harmonization that perks up your right ear and leaves your left ear wanting more. To me, the third track, Up the Neck, is the album's strongest. But there are 11 others if this doesn't tickle your fancy. Up the Neck is a swingy, catchy melody with an infectious opening riff. When Heinz' vocals break in, I feel like swinging my head from left to right over and over and over again. track, the guitar offers you a kind of a prog rock-like guitar harmony. And this beautiful harmony is kind of like one that you'd hear usually in a Leonard Skinner or Allman Brothers band song while they play repetitively as two guitars synchronize with each other. The song Tattooed Love Boys gives you more of a 70s punk feel, I think. It's fast with a distorted guitar that guides the song over the basic riff. Again, it's simple, but it's not. The 
20 doors Around her heart's back and leave it to love boys I told my knees of get sent to your case I need it So from a musician's perspective, it sounds as if many talented musicians could write these songs, but Hines' writing style is distinctive and eccentric. I suggest that in reality, many of these can't. Space Invader has a section within it that reminds me of an early Pink Floyd song, specifically Astronomy Domini, from their debut album back in 1967. I wouldn't be surprised if that song influenced them in some way here. There is certainly a spacey element to this one, hence the name. And this is one of the few songs on the album where Chrissy Hine collaborated on the writing with other band members. And once again, Pete Farndon's bass leads the charge and sets up the song, which explains why he received a writing credit on this one. Weight is my second favorite track behind Up the Neck. With its louder, faster, punkier tone, the riff is unmistakable. I first heard this album on a beach. My headphones were noise canceling. I'm wearing them right now. So I had few distractions. And while I peered out into the Atlantic Ocean, the Weight's main riff made me want to jump into a mosh pit again. And where I was up in New Hampshire at the time, I probably could have created one with a few bystanders within no time. <laughs> Once again, Pete Farndon's bass playing is just really strong here.
about your childhood. Big child, peace and child, for Them like a touch. Unfortunately, Pete Farndon's life post-Pretender's debut release didn't last long as he, I mentioned earlier, he died in April 1983 after overdosing on heroin. So by summer 1983, Chrissy had lost two of her bandmates in the span of one year. Two members. This fact opens up so much more to me in this review. With, I feel like, Several famous deaths in the rock music world over the past year. I'm talking to you right now in September of 2023. I can't help but ponder what things would be like if many of these artists had hung on. I get emotional. As a kid, I was confident that there was a better place where we end up after we pass. I was positive if I just played by the rules, worked hard, was a good person and gave back to society that everything would be okay. I'm not sure that theory holds true anymore. 1983 was a long time ago and I would have never even thought of Pete Farndon unless I had dug this record up and chosen to review it. So back to the album, Chrissy's timing in her songwriting is unique. Chambers and Farndon admitted that they had to do a lot of work to be able to play along with her odd timing. While learning the songs on this album, Pete and Martin would arrive early and practice. They would talk their way through the changes and in many ways, they admitted, put them into layman's terms. Once they got the hang of it, it became natural to them and this gave birth to the foundation of the Pretender's music. The third single off the album would be arguably one of, if not their most well-known, Brass in Pocket. Now, this song is unmistakable. It's just easy to recognize. If you were alive and listened to the radio in the 1980s, you 100% definitely heard this song many times. Got brass in pocket Got battle gonna use it intention
no surprise, Pete Farndon's bass leads the song with Hines' unforgettable guitar lick sitting on top. Hines' lyrics in Brass and Pocket denote a young woman preparing for her first romantic experience with lyrics such as, quote, gonna make you notice and gonna use my arms, gonna use my legs, gonna use my style, gonna use my imagination. I gotta have some of your attention. Give it to me. Love that. When MTV debuted on August 1st, 1981, the music video for Brass and Pocket was the seventh video ever to air. I thought that was pretty cool. This was the song that catapulted the Pretenders to worldwide success. And actually, Chrissy was hesitant to include the song on the album. She didn't like the melody and she didn't really like her voice on it. But she later lamented that it grew on her and she finally agreed to include it on the official release. With its success, the Pretenders' debut album catapulted them to global recognition. Although I did not have this record on regular rotation while I was growing up, it was a recent 2023 live concert that reminded me how strong of a band they were and still are. Despite having a revolving door of members over the last 40 years, Chrissy Hind has really been the backbone and she still rocks the hell out of this stage to this day. And I got proof I was there. <laughs> Not only will this album get you moving, smiling, and throwing fists in the air, it gives you, the listener, a history lesson of punk music and where it came from. The fact that they're doing it today is a testament to music that stands the test of time. Thanks again for listening to the albumreview.net podcast and today's review of The Pretenders' debut self-titled album. If you're interested in any of the albums or books I've discussed in this episode or previous episodes, go to albumreview.net and pick up a copy of your own. Listen to all my podcast album reviews at albumreview.net by clicking on the podcast tab. They can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. Please follow the show on your preferred platform so you can get regular updates on new episodes. Also, if you guys would be so kind as to pop a quick review or rate the podcast, that helps move the needle and get the word out there. I do also want to hear from you. Please email me your feedback, album review requests, and any questions you may have to gpotters at albumreview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at albumreview.net. If you'd like to get regular updates on reviews, interviews, product and music news, go to the homepage and join the mailing list. Visit our YouTube page and stay tuned for updates on Instagram, Facebook, and that thing they call TikTok. What? TikTok? You can find me at albumreviewnet. Thank you guys. Until next time. Take a trip down by the highway 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 Take a trip down by the highway